Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. The legend of Cayman Jack is just around the corner. Mixed with blue agave nectar, real lime juice, and cane sugar for the perfect balance of sweet, salty, and sour every time. Discover legendary taste with Cayman Jack, America's number one margarita. Premium flavored malt beverage. Please drink responsibly. All registered trademarks used under license by American Vintage Beverage Company, Chicago, Illinois. Hi, I'm LeVar Burton, and this is LeVar Burton Reads. In every episode, I handpick a different piece of short fiction, and I read it to you. The only thing these stories have in common is that I love them, and I hope you will too. Now, a couple of weeks ago, I let you know about a very exciting development in the world of LeVar Burton Reads our very first short story contest, facilitated by our partners at Faya Literary Magazine. And our submission window opens August 1st. Now, here's the cherry on top. Tor.com, the incredible online magazine and community for science fiction and fantasy, will be collaborating with us on the contest. I'm still going to read the first place submission aloud on LeVar Burton Reads, But on top of that, Tor.com will publish the top three entries on their website. Now, I couldn't be happier about this because it means we can share even more of your great work. The contest theme will remain the same, origins and encounters, and so will our submission guidelines. There's just another great reason for you to enter thanks to Tor.com and Faya Literary Magazine. Visit LeVarBurtonPodcast.com slash contest for the details and to get your imagination revved up so you will be ready come August 1st when submissions are open. And I can't wait to read your work. Y'all, I'm a big foodie. I admit it. And if you follow me on social media, you may have seen me posting from my travels a favorite restaurant that I've discovered in some city or another. My wife, Stephanie Cozart-Burton, is an amazing cook. If you follow her on social media, you you see her work all the time. Uh, my wife can burn, y'all. Um, there's just no other way to put it. My wife cooks like her ass off, okay? And I bring all that up to say that I'm excited about today's story, which is really a thoughtful and dramatic exploration of the future of food and and how it ties into our traditions and our rituals. It's by the author Isabel Yap, and it was published as part of her story collection entitled Never Have I Ever, which is available from Small Beer Press in all of the usual places. And as always, it's great to order from your local indie bookstore. 
Isabel writes fiction and poetry, works in the tech industry, and was born and raised in Manila, though she's also lived in California and in London as well. Her story is set in the near future in the Philippines, in the city of Lucban. And every year on May 15th, the people of Lucban celebrate the Pahias Festival. It's a festival of the harvest, which began as a pre-colonial ritual and then became integrated into the Catholic tradition. The festival is also tied to the town's patron saint, San Isidro de Labrador. Now, the townspeople engage in a friendly competition with each household trying to outdo one another with their decorations, which are made of actual food. They create elaborate decorations out of keeping or rice flour that's been colored and made into a paste to create the different shapes, and then they accent it with farm produce. There's a parade with floats pulled by carabao, or water buffaloes, and there are giant puppets as well, called gigantes. Now, if you're not familiar with the Pajillas Festival, I encourage you to Google it and check out some of the photos and the videos of past festivals. It's amazing and elaborate, and it looks like an awful lot of fun. Isabel's story takes the tradition of the Pajillas Festival and places it at a time when synthetic food has replaced real food for multiple reasons. And we see this all from the point of view of Marti, a Lukban native who's moved away to work for an industrial food company that makes this synthetic food. So, if you're ready, let's take a deep breath. Milagroso by Isabel Yap. It's late afternoon on the eve of the Pajillas Festival when Marti finally drives into Lukban. The streets are filled with people congregating outside their houses, stringing up fruits and vegetables shaped into chandeliers. Entire roofs are covered in keeping, leaf-shaped rice wafers, their colors flared to dazzling by the slowly setting sun. Someone has tacked poster paper all over the preschool wall, and children with paint smeared on their cheeks are making trees full of hand-shaped leaves. Vendors have already set up shop, prepping for the onslaught of tourists. Most side streets are blocked, so Marti has to drive through the town center, which is the usual explosion of propaganda. Posters of the mayor and councillors alternate with banners for washing detergents, Coca-Cola, Granny Goose chips, and the latest summer special, Mango Mazings, exactly like the real thing. Marti ignores these as he navigates the still familiar streets. They didn't leave Manila for this. They left Manila to see a miracle. Inez is stirring awake, though she keeps her eyes shut. She groans 
shifts, and slaps her thigh impatiently. In the rearview mirror, Marty can see Mariah's head snapping back and forth to match the car's rhythm, her mouth hanging open. JR is also asleep. The seatbelt is tight across his hunched chest, making him look smaller than he is. Sunlight beams through the car, shading half his face yellow. Is this Luke Bond, hun? Inez has finally stopped forcing sleep. She yawns and stretches her arms. Yep. Marty tries to sound more awake and cheerful than he feels. Inez looks out the window. How colorful, she says, as they drive past a house with a giant Ronald McDonald stationed by the doorway, waving his hands. Her tone makes everything seem gray. Marty stands by the door, wiping his palms on his shorts. Looking up, he sees five strings of keeping dangling from the second-floor balcony. Even their ratty papier-mâché carabao is out, gazing forlornly at the street with his one remaining eye. Inez is looking for a spot with better reception. He can hear her muttering in the distance. The kids are unloading their luggage. Taupo, Marty calls. When no one replies, he enters, heading for the living room. Manon? Mangikoi? You there? He hears a door creak open, then the slap of slippers as Mankikoi shuffles into view. His skin is wrinkled and brown as tree bark. The mole on his cheek has grown even more colossal, but otherwise, he is the same old Mankikoi who has maintained this house, Marty's ancestral home, since forever. Boy, is that you? Yes, Manong. Just in time! Just in time! Where's your family? Outside, Marty says, feeling a twinge of guilt. It's been a little too long, perhaps. A little too late. But once he married Inez and they had Mariah, he'd felt compelled to remain in Manila. He liked his job at San Miguel Corp. And he always believed that Lukban was near enough that they could visit any time. As a result, he never did. To ignore these thoughts, he asks, I noticed the decor. Are we part of the procession this year? No, but I thought it might be good to decorate the house anyway. You never know. Mariah materializes at Marty's elbow, dragging her duffel bag. Dad, it's so hot, she says fanning herself. Mankikoi beams at her and moves forward to take her bag. Please don't. It's heavy. Marty turns to his daughter. Mariah, this is your Manankikoi. Show him you can carry your own bag, please. Hello, Po, she says, straining for politeness as she lugs her bag toward the stairs. Hello, Iha. Mankikoi grins wider as she slouches past. His teeth are a gray, sickly color. Well, boy, 
I must go back outside. The key ping is cooking. Let's talk again later. Sure, he says. Mang Kikoi has already turned to go when J.R. rushes past, arms held stiffly away from his body, making fighter jet noises. He yells, I'm attacking you! Propeller blast! He makes swiping motions at Mankikoi, who laughs. <laughs> so, this is your little Kulilit. Has he ever tasted a miracle before? Marty's throat dries. He swallows. He doesn't ask, is it true, Manong? Is it real? He doesn't say, it's not right. Who knows what eating those things can do? Instead, he puts a hand on JR's head to stop him from airplaning and says, No, never. Dinner is at Aling Marigold's. Inez fusses over their clothes and hair and asks Marti twice whether they shouldn't have brought some pasulubong from Manila. Children are sleepy, already bored. Marti promises that tomorrow will be more fun. On the way to dinner, they walk past increasingly extravagant houses. One has a robo-rooster attached to its roof, where it caws ear-splittingly every minute. Another has the Last Supper rendered on its walls, made with colored straw and palm leaves. Still another bears the mayor's face, fashioned out of keeping all across the roof. Two giant animatronic carabaos are lowing by the main door, while a life-sized San Isidro stands on a rotating platform. He holds a spade in one hand and a sheaf of corn in the other. Farmer Jesus, J.R. exclaims. That's not Jesus, you idiot. Mariah snaps a picture with her phone. Who's this, Dad? I want to tag it properly. San Isidro Labrador, patron saint of farmers and peasants. That's Mang Delfin's house, Mang Kikoi adds. This year, the procession goes through this road, and he's determined to win. He's got a pretty good chance, don't you think? Martin nods, although the house speaks for itself. The Pajillas Festival has always been a chance to show off one's home. Now, the stakes are even higher. These homeowners want to be chosen for the miracle. They want to boast of a natural harvest and have jealous neighbors beg them for a taste. Aling Marigold's house at the far end of the main street is simpler, though she has deployed her trademark rose pattern that no one has been able to copy. Vivid fuchsias and yellows adorn the typically drab white walls. She welcomes each of them in by smelling their cheeks. Martino! She coos. I haven't seen you since you were a young man. But how old you look now in a softer tone that everyone still hears, she adds. You've grown quite the belly. Thank you for having us, Marti says. You look healthy, as always. She laughs with delight, then swats him on the shoulder. 
the flab of her arms jiggling. This is Inez, my wife, Marti says. Well, but you look so very young for Martino. Oh, not at all, Inez demurs. And what do you do, Inez? I'm a merchandiser for Rustan's. She tips her chin up just a fraction. Wonderful, Aling Marigold says. And these are my children. Mariah and J.R. give half-hearted hellos, and she smacks her lips at them. And Monkey Koi, of course, how good to see you, Aling Marigold says. Monkey Koi smiles and shuffles off to eat with the rest of her household staff. She leads Marti and his family to the dining room, babbling the whole time. I can't believe it's been four years since your father died. I spent lots of time with him after your mama died, you know. And he did talk about you such a lot. He was so proud of you and how he missed you so much. But then I can't blame you, my dear. It's so hard to get time off with the economy like this, no? And then you have these two children. So healthy, she beams at the kids. So healthy. You feed them well. Do you get plenty of free food from San Miguel? You still work there, Diba? Yes, he was recently promoted to procurement manager, Inez says. Extra vacation time is one of the perks, so we were finally able to take this trip. <gasps> is that so? Aling Marigold draws a dramatic breath. Well, I'm not really surprised. When San Miguel created that breakthrough formula for the perfect pork? Wow, I said to myself, this is it. This is the future. And you know, I was right. I mean, the lechon we're having tomorrow, and you will eat here tomorrow, I insist, after all the events, of course. My balcony has a great view of the fireworks. What was I saying? Oh, yes. Tomorrow's lechon is perfect pork, which truly is perfect. I'm very glad to hear that, Marti says. They walk past a sliding door into the air-conditioned dining room. Aling Marigold gestures for them to sit. This dinner is mostly from San Miguel, as well the roasted chicken is for sure. This is your spam, and I think the bangus relleno is yours too. Pero the cake is from Gardenia, and the chicken cordon bleu is by Universal Robina, because I'm sorry, their cheese is better than yours, you know. Anyway, let's eat. She says grace, and they dig in. Marty takes a bite of the roasted chicken. It's delicious. He feels a swell of pride. He helped make these things. Not directly. That was the research team's job, but he handled most of the exports and imports that provided the raw materials for their meats. After the lockout with China, he had shifted grudgingly to more expensive vendors in Vietnam, only to realize that their bioplasticine millet, BPM, adhered to flavorants more easily and could be molded into more convincing shapes. Chicken and tuna, in particular, could be replicated using Vietnamese BPM for a cheaper unit cost. And San Miguel was quickly able to launch a new line of canned goods labeled More Nutritious 
extra delicious. People say it doesn't beat the real thing, but Marty thinks it comes pretty damn close. They finally reached an era when neither Mariah nor JR will incur a health risk from their diet, when people don't need to fret about foodborne illnesses, when it's conceivable, if the government gets its shit together, for people below the poverty line to have three meals a day. Has the Department of Health decided on a budget for its feeding program yet? Aling Marigold asks. No, Marty says. I hear they're working on it. Aling Marigold rolls her eyes. They're always working on it. She takes a sip of Coke. Still, I can't pretend I'm thinking about anything except tomorrow. You haven't seen it live, but the moment when San Isidro makes his choice and the produce becomes, you know, natural, it's wow. Talagang wow. The news reporters said the same thing when the first miracle happened during Pahias three years ago. No one believed the sensational coverage on TV patrol at first, but then the owners of the winning house started selling chunks of food as proof. A bite of real corn, a handful of real green beans, a cluster of real juicy grapes. The reporters showed the old church's statue of San Isidro in the town square, surrounded by people bursting into tears as they bit into their first unsafe food in years. It was ridiculous, Marty remembers thinking. Why is everyone so hung up on this? Why is everyone freaking out? He remembers thinking. It can't be a miracle, because we've already invented the miracle. What are you doing here, then? Something inside him asks. He recalls the twist in his gut, the saliva filling his mouth as he watched an old woman nibble on a real banana, weeping wretchedly. This is home, another voice that sounds more like him insists. I just wanted to see the fiesta. I wanted the kids to see. He pauses over his next forkful. You don't think it's you know, a hoax or something? Kaina No, never. You'll understand when you see it, Aling Marigold says. You don't even need to taste it. It's the smell, the color, the everything. I mean, the mayor tried to keep it from spreading, played it up as airbrush and fake imparts, but there's no denying it. Really? How long, Naman, can you lie without shame? Last year, I shelled out for a few pieces of camote. That's my favorite, you know. When I ate it, kiosko. It was so good. I see. Marty licks his lips. Well, it'll be fun to watch. Aling Marigold nods and swallows a spoonful of milkfish relleno. Marty watches her, satisfied. It doesn't matter that the milkfish is made from the same thing as the chicken, the rice, the vegetables. They look different, taste different, and have the same high nutritional content. They're better, 
for everyone. The next generation of influential Black voices can be found on NPR's new collection, Black Stories, Black Truths. Black Stories, Black Truths is a celebration of Blackness from NPR. Each of NPR's Black voices are as distinct, varied, and nuanced as the Black experience itself. And every episode is a living account of what it means to be Black today, told from a unique Black perspective, from Bobby Shmurda to The Wire. Michelle Obama, to reparations, there's no limit to the range of Black stories, Black truths. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the Black experience. Because stories should never be about us without us. Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR, wherever you get podcasts. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine bold, naturally aged Tillamook cheddar slices melting over a burger, eating handfuls of thick-cut cheddar shreds straight from the bag, taking a bite out of an irresistibly bold block of extra sharp cheddar cheese. (sighs) We know you want to get back to streaming, but wasn't it nice to daydream about cheese for a bit? Tillamook cheddar, extraordinary dairy. The legend of Cayman Jack is just around the corner. With blue agave nectar, real lime juice, and cane sugar. Discover legendary taste with America's number one margarita. Premium flavored malt beverage. Please drink responsibly. All registered trademarks used under license by American Vintage Beverage Company, Chicago, Illinois. Now, let's get back to our story. Mass the following morning is at 6 a.m., which causes much groaning. They manage to make it through the church doors in time for the second reading. The priest is particularly zealous, exhorting everyone to give thanks for their gathering together as one community and for the bountiful harvest at San Isidro and our sponsors, San Miguel Carp, Universal Robina, Golden Arches, and Monde Misin have provided. The people of Lukban are restless, beaming at each other as they exchange signs of peace. Only the image of San Isidro remains calm, already primed in a float for the beauty pageant winner to carry him in later. After Mass, there are a few hours left before the procession, so they decide to explore the town. Stalls selling woven buri hats, fans, handbags, 
and little straw birds are interspersed with old ladies on fold-out stools, hawking rice cakes and empanadas. Inez haggles over a bundle of hats. Mariah picks out keychains for her friends. J.R. drops the buco juice he's slurping, and it bursts on the concrete, leaving a slushy puddle that nobody minds. Inez tisks, and Mariah wonders loudly when the procession will start. They each have a serving of pancit hab-hab on banana leaves. Marti remembers not caring much about the actual Bahias festival as a child. He was more interested in the preparations leading up to it. He would squat next to Mankikoi as the old man ground soaked rice until it was pale and liquid as milk. Mankikoi would stir the wet rice, divide it into shallow buckets, then mix in the coloring blue and yellow to make apple green, red and blue to make dark pink. Then he would dip a large cabal leaf in the mixture as a mold for the keeping and hang it so that the excess coloring dripped. To finish, he would cook them over a charcoal grill while Marti ate the rejected attempts and recited random facts he had learned at school. Marti didn't watch the keeping preparation yesterday. Something about the BPM monkey koi was using instead of rice made Marti feel weird. It might have been misplaced nostalgia, and he knew that was a useless feeling. J.R., however, had watched and reported to Marti after about how he had eaten some of the leftovers, and they tasted kind of funny, kind of like nothing, but Mankikoi said it was made of rice, so that was probably normal. Right, Dad? Keeping has no taste, Marti said, laughing. I mean, rice itself has barely any flavor. But Manki Koi said the real foods in the fiesta taste awesome, and if I can eat a fruit or veggie from the winning house tomorrow, I'll understand what he means. Oh, did he say that? Those things are really expensive, and they'll probably make your tummy ache or make your teeth gray. Like monkey coys. Marti rumpled JR's hair so that JR squirmed. Don't know if you'll get to taste any of that, Nanak. I will, JR said. I'm gonna grab some with my stretchy arms. Shiao! He whipped his arms wildly. And then I can tell all the kids in my class, and they'll be jealous because they've never eaten yummy real food, and they never will. <laughs> he chuckled evil and gleeful, and robotically walked away to heckle his sister. Marti remembers the great glass houses they passed on their way to Lukban, lining the fields stretched beneath Mount Banahau. Piles of corn and rice, endless rows of pineapple and root crop, stewing in their meticulously engineered domes, more delicious than nature could ever make them. Simply more than God could ever make them. The procession begins at 1 p.m., with the local policeman leading the marching band through the streets. The crowd surges from the town center. Those who live along the procession route peer out from windows and balconies, waving at onlookers. 
An ABS-CBN TV crew starts their segment. People in bright red shirts bearing the Universal Robina logo hover near the cameras, holding up signs that say, Don't eat the miracle food. It's poison. You could die. Marty frowns at their lack of respect for the festivities, even as he recalls his last meeting, where the procurement division head had raised her eyebrows at his vacation request. For Lukban? And when Marty nodded, how she cleared her throat and averted her eyes. Ignoring this, he gestures for his family to follow and heads for the middle of the parade. J.R. complains that he can't see, so Marty hoists him onto his shoulders. They walk on, keeping to the edges of the crowd. The Gigantes come after the band, giant cartoony replicas of the president, the Kagawad, a schoolgirl, a farmer. A Karabao, live this time, follows, pulling a cart full of waving children. Unlike the animatronic version, this Karabao plods silently on, martyr-like. It is trailed by girls with feathered headpieces and dresses in garish colors, shimmying to a syncopated drumbeat. The priest from morning mass scoops water out of a bucket and sprinkles everyone with it. Behind him walk the beauty pageant entrance, led by the newly crowned Miss Luban and her escort, standing on a float carrying San Isidro between them. Marti is transfixed by the face of the saint, how it looks tired and drawn in the middle of the crowd, rocked to and fro by the music. The parade is pushing, pulsing from all sides. Marti presses onward, checking that Inez and Mariah are still following. The band has gone through its traditional repertoire and is now playing the top 40. Everyone sings along, some droning, some with effort. Marti moves faster so that he can keep pace with San Isidro. It's difficult. He feels crazed, dehydrated, but he's determined to witness the so-called miracle, determined not to care. Dad, J.R. says. Dad, hurry up! We're going to miss the selection. Marty tries to walk more quickly, but the crowd keeps him at bay, measuring his pace. The people proceed down the street in a blare of noise and sound and color, getting more raucous as they approach the fancier homes. At some point, the fiesta-goers begin to stop in front of each house and lift San Isidro above the crowd, holding him there for a few moments. Each time this happens, the procession holds its breath, then bursts into cheering when nothing changes. Marti is starting to get exhausted. He brings J.R. down and clutches his hand. J.R. beams up at him, infected by the delight of the crowd. Marty smiles back, as best as he can through the heat and confusion and the sudden shower of confetti and ki-ping raining from the house they are passing. They're drawing closer to Mang Delfin's house, with the animatronic carabaos and giant replica of the mayor's face. 
The frenzy and expectation heightens each time San Isidro is raised, but there is also a sense of inevitability. Because only one house can win, and everyone seems to know which house it is. Someone starts chanting, Mang Delfin! Mang Delfin! The marching band launches into the current chart topper. People are headbanging and wiggling and not quite accidentally grinding each other. Marty realizes they're not going to see anything if they stay where they are. Ducking into a side street, he skirts past former neighbors' houses. He counts the walls before turning back onto the main road, right at the cross street between Mang Delfin and Aling Sheila's house. They have a perfect view of the proceedings. The crowd is amassing in the home right before this one, breathing a collective ooh as San Isidro is raised, then bursting into laughter when nothing happens and he is lowered once more. JR jumps up and down. It's going to be this one! It's going to be this one! Marti's heart races. He squeezes JR's hand and gazes at the facade of Mang Delfin's house. Up close, he can see potato-faced people pieced from squash and taro with string bean and okra hair, intricate butterflies made of rambutan and langan, long, sweeping bunches of banana mingled with keeping. The mooing of the fake carabaos is incredibly loud. If there's any house that can feed the whole town, it's this one. But what's wrong with this food, he thinks. Isn't this worth giving thanks for? What more do people want? Mang Delfin! Mang Delfin! Yay! Crowd whoops as it reaches its destination. Everyone quiets down enough so that the band can start a drum roll. Miss Lukban and her escort slowly, tenderly lift San Isidro up to face the house. Marti is magnetized again by the saint's face. Its severely rosy cheeks and sleepy eyebrows, the stiff golden halo behind his head. He can't tell if San Isidro wears a look of benevolence or of agony. Real food! Real food! Real veggies! Real fruit! JR hasn't stopped jumping or chanting. Marti fights the urge to tell him to shut up. Oh my God, Inez says. This is actually so exciting. Mariah, who has whipped out her phone to record everything, says, The signal here sucks. The hush continues. As the crowd watches, the statue of San Isidro, now facing its life-sized twin in front of Mang Delfin's house, lifts its wooden arm, the one holding the sheaf of corn, in a rigid salute. His face remains frozen, but for one instant, his eyes seem alive. Even though they aren't directed at Marti, his belly churns and his eyes water. A child in the crowd bursts into tears. Then, an explosion of smell and color. The house is suddenly unable to bear its own weight, and several ornaments come loose from the ceiling and balcony, falling on the crowd below. Potatoes and bananas roll off the shingles, detach from the windows. Tufts of ki-ping billow out and descend on everyone's heads. 
Marty sees this in slow motion. Each fruit and vegetable is more alive. The smell so intoxicating, Marty nearly vomits. He lets go of JR's hand to cover his mouth, and JR immediately lunges for the food. Inez shrieks and darts forward as a squash face starts to come loose from the wall. She tries to catch it in one of her new hats, shouting, What are you doing, Marts? Grab some! Hurry! Everyone is frantically scooping. Mariah has her mouth full of something. Oh my God, she says. Oh my God, it tastes totally different. Marty looks back at where the procession had been neatly standing, and it's all gone. San Isidro has disappeared, swallowed by a swarm of flailing limbs. Someone, Mang Delphine, roars over the noise. This is my house! Those are mine! Stop! Stop! There's enough for everyone, you greedy ass! Someone shouts back. The cheer that follows quickly dissolves into grunting as people climb over each other. Marty comes into focus. JR! He calls frantically. JR? JR! His little boy could be trampled. His little boy could get LBM, salmonella, stomach cancer. That food should never touch his lips. Inez is still filling her hats. Mariah is helping her. Marty tries to enter the writhing mass of fiesta-goers. An elbow bashes him on the cheek. A knee catches his ribs. Someone to his left wretches. A stench of body odor and puke overpowers the sweet fragrance of the fruits. JR! He keeps shouting. Dad! JR squeezes his way towards him, reaching over two women grappling with a knot of bitter gourd. Marty manages to grab JR under the armpits, lifting, then hauling him toward a side street. He takes deep breaths, trying to clear his head. And through a haze of nausea, he sees JR's giant grin. JR is clutching a swollen banana in his fist, a banana full of bruises, green at the base just like the ones Marty used to eat as a child. Nothing like the ones they grow now. Dad, I got one. Can I eat it? Marty feels sick, overwhelmed like too many eyes are on him. He reaches out, grabs the banana, and peels it without thinking. JR watches him wide-eyed. Marty has no idea what he's going to do. Hold it out to his child and let him eat it? Eat it himself, because it looks so goddamn delicious. Thank God, San Isidro, for a miracle? Cry for his man-made miracles. So much nothing when held to the light of day, to a pair of tired eyes and a wooden face. Yes, he says. Go ahead, he says his mouth already tasting the sweetness, craving it. The truth of a miracle. Too bitter to swallow. But don't. No, you shouldn't. It isn't safe. It it isn't right, he says. And he is suddenly crying. 
and J.R. looks at him with an expression that edges bewilderment and terror. In his closed fist, the banana has been mashed to a pulp. It's, it's great to have a story that really focuses on a miracle. In this case, the, the miracle of um, real food. Seems like this is so far-fetched and yet not so far removed from where we seem to be heading. I, I wonder um, about the decisions that we're making. Um, in this world and, and some of the potential repercussions that we may face in the future. What I love about the story is that it really causes me to remember how precious food actually is. The idea that this woman, this elderly woman, would burst into tears on tasting a real banana for the first time in God knows how long. This story really points me in the direction of taking action in my life, remembering the the gift that food really is, food that nourishes the body, the mind, the spirit. We engage in the ritual of fast food these days. We don't stop to recognize where it comes from, how it got to the table, in the bowl or on the plate. Uh, We're eating as a way to get to the next activity, right? We're eating by rote, not as a way to stop and literally savor the moment. And a part of that for me is really being in a state of grace, right? thankfulness, gratitude for the hands that brought the bounty forward. I think it's important to take that moment, just a a nanosecond of acknowledgement. And I genuinely believe that in that moment, there is nutrition of a different kind. There is sustenance of the soul that enhances the whole experience of eating. And when you do that with other people, when you gather to sit down and eat together and are grateful for the opportunity to share the communion, doesn't everything taste better? It's the energy that we invest in the rituals that we engage in that really put the cherry on top. At least, that's what I think.
Our producer on this episode of LeVar Burton Reads is Julia Smith. She's the best in the business, y'all. Our researcher is Lakeisha Lewis. So glad you are aboard, my sister. Our editing and sound design is by Justin Asher, one of our new kids on the block, although he's not so new anymore. We have editing support this season from Harry Huggins and Josephine Martirana. My thanks to Isabel Yap for allowing me to read her story today. Her debut short story collection, Never Have I Ever, was recently published by Small Beer Press, and she's got more stories on her website. Go to isabelyap.com for more. If you like the podcast, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or simply hook up a friend with your favorite episode. I appreciate you. And as always, you can hear episodes ad-free and also listen to exclusive bonus author interviews on Stitcher Premium. Go to stitcherpremium.com slash LeVar to start your free trial. LeVar Burton Reads is a production of Stitcher and LeVar Burton Entertainment. Our executive producers are Josephine Martirana and yours truly, LeVar Burton. And I am LeVar Burton. You can find me on Twitter at LeVar Burton and LeVar.Burton on Instagram. LeVarBurton.com is the website. I'll see you next time, but you don't have to take my word for it. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. They say plants like music. Yeah, no, like really, they, they respond to the vibrations of it, which means that this playlist you're listening to, the plants are too. You know what else plants like? Organic soil from miracle Grow. It's made with all the best stuff like wood fiber and compost. Plus, it's Omri certified organic, which officially means it's made with superior ingredients. And when you give your plants the stuff that makes them happy, they won't judge you on your iffy playlist. Hear that, plants? So go ahead and give them miracle Grow.